Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello. It's Mike. Old religion dystopia. I'm with my brother in Christ and friend, Derek Hallett. From the other side of the country, to have a uh, another uh, teaching from the Word of God, and uh, sounds like we're in. It's called binding the strongman. And uh, Derek, thank you for joining me this evening. And uh, I guess do what we usually do: start out in prayer, and then go from there. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God. of ancient days. Lord of Spirits, who gave us your only begotten, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray to you in the name of our Lord. I ask that this uh, uh, next hour or so of teaching will be a blessing for you, that it, it will honor you and our Lord, that you will bless us with your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for all the many blessings you do give us. And how you give us another day. We know we, we battle uh, with the, the evil one in his opinions, and sometimes it feels like we're not getting anywhere. And they're winning. We, in the end, you are our hedge. You are our protection. You are our fortress. And we do. We've, we, we've managed to accomplish another day, the war for you, God. No greater privilege and honor is there than to serve you, God. What a wonderful God you are. God, we're in the midst of uh, this satanic empire, mystery Babylon, whatever you want, people want to call it. And God, I ask you that this will, message will, will reach one of your children, a son or daughter who needs to hear the truth, who needs to come back to the fold and put their faith and their trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus. God, thank you for everything. Thank you for Jesus. When I say this, thank you, God. Heavenly Father, I also want to come to you tonight with a bowed head and humbled heart, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given my brother and I the strength, Lord, to come forward and to discuss your word, Lord, and to interact concerning your gospel, Lord, that regardless of what we go through from the day-to-day assignment, Lord, that we always keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, I want to pray a special prayer tonight for people, Lord, your people, the so-called elect, the people, Lord, that claim to believe in you. I'm praying, Lord, that you keep their eyes and their ears single, Lord, 
focused on you that we may not yield unto other things. Lord, for you know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And you know, Lord, that if there's the flesh, Lord, and the spirit don't go together, and you know that grace and the Lord don't go together. So, Lord, I'm just praying that your people have an understanding that aside from you and aside from the spirit of God, that there is nothing that we can do. If your word says it, Lord, those things we must do. Because I'm recognizing that the enemy is attacking in so many ways, Lord. He's trying to mix the water with the wine, Lord. He's trying to dilute the power of God because he doesn't want your people really being steadfast and focused on what's necessary. So I'm praying, Lord, that you give us understanding tonight. I'm praying that no man's heart be hurt. I'm praying that no flesh be glorified. I'm only praying and concerned, Lord, that these these messages be anointed and that your people will receive the truth, Lord, because you said it. And you are the truth. You are not a man that you can lie, nor the son of man that you need to repent. So I'm praying in Jesus' name that you just allow us, Lord, to hear a clear message tonight through great plainness of speech and understanding that your people might come in, that, Lord, we don't need anything but you. And unless we're ready to walk that walk, Lord, I pray that you just not let any hurt, harm, or danger come our way. For we are a stiff-necked people, Lord, and I'm just asking that you just show us in so many different ways that to follow you is life and not to follow you is death. So in Jesus' name, Lord, let your perfect will be done for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Say love. All right, brother, I'm looking forward to this. And hopefully this time around, I want me to get the video done. I'll... There won't be any spelling errors. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <clears throat> I always know that you know. Reminder, you know. Because, you know, you know we, we did, like, a, a really good job, I thought, as far as putting together a, a message along with the mm-hmm. video. And sure enough, I still had to misspell something, and that was Yahoo, my uh, email address. And so it's always something. I mean, it's I've got always, I think, just a little subtle to remind me and my pridefulness and my ego that, you know what, you're still my servant and you're not all that. Just well, don't forget that. And I won't forget that, God. Well, also it can be because words are changing their spelling all the time <laughs> anyway. Like you got the Old Testament spelling, Old Quaker English, and what you have today. So, you know, as long as people know that what we're clear about and what we believe, you know, that's all that matters is that people hear the word of God clearly. You know, none of us are without flaws. So, you know, I think you do a great job in all that you put together, bro. And I really appreciate it because other people are even coming to me and messaging me telling me, man, you know, this gives me even more understanding. So when you hear things like that, then you know that God's work is in play because he's not the author of confusion. So, you know, I appreciate the work that you do. I just, you know, hope that it doesn't stress you out too much. But, you know, still in all, I love the fact that you care about how it gets done. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's, well, it's, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to serve some fallen man? 
or serve God. I mean, it's not like I'm not really doing much. You know, are you going to sacrifice for God or for a bunch of, you know, uh, most likely, you know, well, you know, godless men. I mean, listen, it's not really that. To me, it's not that big of a sacrifice. In fact, it makes me feel alive. Although I put like two days into it, you know, you mm-hmm. do the research and get the, the images and the videos and everything, and line up with what you're trying to say. Uh, eventually, we'll get it right. We'll get it right between the two of us, and as long as the Spirit of God directs us, and you know, the message needs to be heard. And although we might not reach out uh, very many people uh, in time, in God's time. It, I believe that uh, God's children will appreciate what they're saying. And you know what? If it directs and, and it helps if your um, your ministry, which is the Lord's ministry anyways, uh, it makes all the sense in the world to do it. So well, everything else is just the dung heap. You know what I mean? I, I got beautiful gardens mm-hmm. in my front place. You know what I mean? Beautiful flowers and everything. I got all mm-hmm. sorts of – I got a, a, a son, you know, that's, that's wonderful. You know what I mean? But uh, – None of that takes precedent over my God. So, and as much as I love my son, you know, if God says, "Well, nope, Mike, right now, you're serving me," all right, God, I'm serving you. What, what, what's the argument? There is no argument. How do you argue with God, especially if you're, you know, <laughs> I've tried it. Let me tell you, folks, if you're doing that, it's not worth it. Uh, years of be rebelling only cause sickness, illness, and disease in me. And most likely, although it was necessary for God to humble me, what if I just would listen to that spirit, that Holy Ghost, a long time ago and just said, okay, I'm going with it. Because I knew as a child that I had supposed to have something to do with God. I knew it. You know, everybody mm-hmm. else was asking, Mike, what do you want to do when you grow up? I was like, I don't know. Because, you know, if I said, you know, well, I guess I'm supposed to do something for God, you know, everybody, in, you know, be sent to a counselor and everyone would say, there's something wrong with this guy. He'd go, well, that's nice, but you need to get a job. And I, you know, if I just would have listened to God. But, oh, well, that's part of our journey, isn't it? And that's part of the, the struggle that, because of the fallen state we're in, the satanic system that we're in, we are so bombarded with so much uh, satanic messages that it almost is some of it, it is a miracle, brother, that you and I are talking right now and praising our Lord Savior Jesus Christ in a day and time like mm-hmm. this. It's an absolute miracle. So, in his own right. So, but there's more of us out there. They just need to hear the truth. So, I'm going to shut up and let you take the reins, brother. <laughs> You don't need to shut up, but, you know, brother, you know, this is what it's all about, us being on one accord and serving the Lord. So, you know, tonight's study is going to be on binding the strong man, binding the strong man. Now, the Bible refers to this character in many places about what a strong man is. So I'm going to actually put the word up in the Greek so that people might have an understanding of the strong man, and the word there is G2478, and the word is Isheros, okay, and it means strong, mighty, of living beings, strong either in body or in mind, 
or one who has strength of soul or soul to sustain the attacks of Satan, strong and therefore exhibiting many excellences or um, inanimate things. And then it makes clear, it says it's strong, violent, forcibly uttered, firm, or sure. Okay, so what we got to understand about a strong man is a strong man can no doubt be a demon, but a strong man can simply be a belief system that demons inhabit. Okay, now the reason why I wanted to go here tonight is because last week we talked about the full armor of God and we talked about what God is looking forward to us learning and, you know, how to walk with Jesus Christ. But, you know, just how we have an inside part to the armor, which is Jesus, altogether, the devil has even, you know, before many of us have known about Jesus Christ, he has planted his power or his enemies inside of us. And this is why the devil tries to introduce us to sin very early in life and introduce us to tradition as early as he can. Because when he does that, you know, he's already developed a column on the inside of you just in case, you know, you might find Jesus, that you'll have something else to battle with. Most people, before they find Jesus Christ, have a strong man, okay? And I'll give you an example of what a strong man is. A strong man can be your religion, what you've grown up believing. You know, a strong man is one of those things that it seems like for some, no matter how far you go with Jesus, it always seems like you get so far before you start to, your flesh begins to turn back and revert back to type, okay? Usually when you're on a journey with Christ and you reach the plateau to where you're either comfortable or you decide to walk backwards, it's because of the fact that there is a strong man in the midst, okay? A strong man is a root demon or root belief that demons cling to. And, you know, you might be able through uh, salvation and sanctification to remove minor demons. Like, let's just say someone is struggling with lust. You know, that can be taken away. I mean, they can all be taken away by the Lord, but let's just say the lust is moved out of the way, okay? You're no longer lusting. And then, you know, you may have some alcohol abuse or whatever it is that you're dealing with, and then that tends to go away. And then you get around all these other sins that God tells you are sins, but then you reach a certain place like you can't go any further. That person might have struggled with so many different demons, but the one that refuses to move unless God intervenes is pride, okay? That person's issue may be pride. That person may do a bunch of other things on the outside, but pride remains the strong man, the root demon, the one that is giving you the most trouble than them all, and he's the one that will stand there and say, I'm not going anywhere, okay? So it's important that in order to have Jesus Christ in your life, in order to walk with Jesus, in order to be truly sanctified of Christ, we've got to deal with the strong man. We've got to be able to get past him because usually when you do deliverance, and you hear like other demons scream and they come out, the one that engages you and actually speaks to you, you ever see when some of them say, I'm not going anywhere? I've had her too long. She's mine. 
That's the strong man. That's the one that will say, no, I, I've made a covenant with this person, and I'm not leaving. So these are the things that God wants to deal with with us. You know, I'll tell you another big one, Catholicism. You can show them the Bible, point blank range, what it says, and yet they'll still pray to Mary and to the saints, okay, no matter what. And even when you tell them, oh, no, no, that's the way that you do it, but you got to understand what we recognized about Mary. That's a strong man. Okay, it's just how you can claim to be a born-again believing Christian, that you love Jesus Christ, and, you know, you want to do all these things, but yet you're somehow still racist, still looking at color, still looking at black and white, still talking about black or white lives matter. That's a strong man. Okay, so these are areas that God wants to work out with us because unless we deal with that strong man, there's only a matter of time before the other demons creep back in, okay? So we've got to know how to be sanctified. So this is what we're going to go over tonight. This is what we're going to talk about, the strong man. So let's get started. I want to go to Mark 22, I mean Mark 3, and let's look at verse 22. Mark 3 and 22. And it says, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. Uh, and and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. So these scribes saw Jesus Christ doing things that no one has ever done. You know, almost every miracle in the Old Testament was performed in the New, except for one, the casting out of devils. Okay, so Jesus showed the authority here that he was the Son of God and he was full of the Spirit. And because the people could not do it and it didn't make sense to them, they say, man, he's casting out devils because he's the son of the devils. That's why they obey him, you know, which is a foolish argument. But look at the wisdom of Jesus and how he deals with this. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. Okay, so he's making clear, why would Satan cast out Satan, knowing that that would only weaken the kingdom of Satan? Now, there are times where the devil will attempt to do things like this, like when you look at exorcism. Okay, exorcism is none other than witchcraft that many of these Catholic priests do. They don't cast out devils. They go into agreement with devils, so the devil is not cast out. But the thing is, is that the devil will probably, you know, when you do exorcism, the devil will take a major demon and move him and put a, a little minor demon on you to make you believe that you've been delivered. But then, you know, the problems will occur and things will get worse. But Satan will never cast one of his demons out of a believer because, I mean, or, or just anybody, because that weakens his forces, okay? So this is what Jesus is talking about. And verse 27 says, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Okay, so what Jesus was talking about here is the only reason that demons would ever leave an individual, and he's considering 
he's, he's referring to Satan as the strong man, and he's referring to himself as the one that is stronger. The only reason that Jesus can cast out devils is because the authority of Jesus Christ is that great that the devil must bow the knee. That's all this is. But, you know, one thing the strong man will do is it says he keepeth his house, okay, and, and he watches over his goods. So we've got to be stronger than the strong man in order to get by. Now let's go to Luke 11 because we're going to open this up a little more and we're going to discuss this because we're going to get some key words here, okay? We're going to get some key understanding concerning this strong man. But Jesus was saying if you think that, you know, the devil is just going to cast out one of his, how does that help his purpose if demons are being moved out? But you do have a thing called exorcism where they go into agreement with devils that, yeah, why don't you just leave them alone for about six months? You know, and, and, you know, the devil can sometimes grant that wish. Why? So people can believe that these Catholic priests have actually done something for them. People will actually think that these false faith healers, and I'm not talking about real Christian Holy Ghost power. I'm talking about people that will, you know, pretend or make you believe that things have gotten better and they haven't. The devil only does that to bind you even further. But unless you are, are acting with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ to cast out a devil, that's the only way that demons can be cast out. So this is um, Luke 11. Let's look at verse 19. Jesus says, And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. So Jesus is making it clear. When you cast out devils, the kingdom of God is what is doing it, not the devil himself. He says, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Now, you know, this is a mouthful. And before we did this study about three years ago, but the Lord has given me a lot more understanding since then. So, you know, he told me to go over this one more time. But notice, it says when a strong man, this strong man is there, but not only is he there, he's armed, and he keepeth his palace and his goods in peace. So what people have got to understand concerning the strong man is this. He is armed, meaning he's going to fight back. You're not going to just come in and get rid of him. He's going to stand his ground. He is going to give you supportive arguments against the word of God or his righteousness. And this is what you find with atheists putting their stupid comments on Facebook. There was one um, recently uh, a friend of mine was showing me where they were saying, um, what, uh, I think it was um, if the sun and the moon were formed on the fourth day, how is there even light? Look at the foolishness that people can get into when God said, let there be light. And then it says, and um, the first day, he created the day and the night. Okay, so the day and the night already existed. All the sun and the moon are is full of God's illuminating power that they govern the day and the night. But they don't have any power over the day or the night. God has given them that power to be able to, you know, govern the day and night. So it's, it's silly comments like these where you can say that the enemy is armed. He'll have lots of lies concerning science and all these different things. 
So this guy is armed. He is prepared to fight back. I mean, he's not, you know, going to win, but he will do enough to keep you off balance. But when he says he keeps his goods in peace, there are a lot of people that don't serve Jesus Christ nor know him because, you know, they feel this sense of peace. I'm in the truth. See, this is where it gets deadly, and I've experienced that this week, where you find people that get to a happy medium and they start preaching and teaching about the world and they claim to be Christians. This can be really difficult for us because, you know, the devil will give you, if he can't stop you from believing, a sense of peace. Man, don't worry about it. You're all right. You're all right. You know that you're a believer. There's no need to advance or go any further. So you see, this strong man keeps everything in peace. And that's why when people are preaching false gospel to you, almost no one gets offended. You know why? Because they're not fighting against the kingdom of Satan. But when the real gospel comes, oh, man, people seem like they get pricked, they get cut, and then all of a sudden you see that strong man will stand up. There were numerous times I've had conversations with people about what is, what's godly, and we can be on the same accord. You know, you say something about Jesus, and they're like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, he's the son of God. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt, the son of God. And you keep going down this long list of things with them, and they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you say Roman Catholicism, or you say Christmas, and er, whoa, 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 certainly you're not talking about Christmas. You know, uh, oh, hey, well, I don't know, or you talk about homosexuality. Well, I don't know about that, brother. We're supposed to love everybody. It's not about loving everybody. You know, we are to love everyone. But you see, when you get to situations like that where people hold short and they begin to fight you over it, it's because you've just reached the strong man. So you see, the devil can stay at peace, but he can't stand under the word of God long. Eventually, this Bible is going to call out your number. Are you really a believer or are you not? Are you living in accordance with what God's will is, or are you not? That's something that, you know, this is about the strong man. So anyway, he says, but when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him and taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. You know, brother, I guess you and I can actually talk about this, but there are many times in our lives we think we thought we had a thing before we knew Jesus Christ. But as we get to know Jesus Christ and we grow stronger than him, you realize how not so intelligent we are? <laughs> you see how we're back to the drawing board concerning oh, Christ? Yeah. What's that? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yep. I said, oh, yes. <laughs> I realized oh, yeah. that. I, yep. It's like for a... I was thinking about that. Interesting, you brought that up uh, the other day. Was it last night or two nights ago? Fifty mm-hmm. years. I'm fifty years old. And God says, you know, one thing I really got right is, uh, is you, and you gave that to me. Everything that I learned, <laughs> man, was a half truth at best, and really... led nowhere. Just the, a, a illusion, a delusion in the, the thinking that I knew what I was talking about. But whenever I ever have challenged the things that I've learned from this world, it all crumbles every time. It doesn't matter what it is. You can talk about flat earth. You can talk about cosmology. You can talk about politics. You can talk about religion. You can talk about everything that is man-made 
And it's just like, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, there's so many things I could say about this and go down a different tangent here. But I think it's just it, after all this time is just, and it's a challenge. It is definitely a challenge, no matter who you are and how far you you in your walk with the Lord. It's always going to be a challenge because you you got to remember that as you brought up, you know, about the strong man and the devil and the hidden devils. I mean. They're going to come after you full force, and it's just not one or two of them. They're like cockroaches. Just imagine it being like fleas, fleas, or uh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to, you know. And then they're just constantly be there, and they're constantly going to challenge you, and they're constantly going to get try to get you to give up on God. That's what it really true. comes down to. They want to get you to give up on Christ. You might stumble and fall. You might even, you know, God, where are you? You know, I mean, like two days ago, I was like, God, where are you? I mean, gosh, I'm nothing to get this. The it's not kicked out of me. <laughs> you know, the pain and suffering. You know, not even be able to even sleep. My, the you know, people talk about the burning sensation that happens. They talk about gang stalking, but really, gang stalking part of it really is the That's gang or demons themselves doing it. That's it's right. That it's human beings are doing it when it's them are doing it. And they will they will do everything in their power to make you uh, deny Christ and because um, they know what's going on. <laughs> they know more than you do. Anyway, the <laughs> point right. in all this is is that um, it, 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 there is it's, it's a real is. This is one of the things that's such tragic, a, a, a tragedy in the church today is that people, they're not told the whole story up front, and they should be told that. So listen, Jesus created you. He's the only big God, the Son of you know, the Heavenly Father, you know, you know, of ancient days, you know, the Father God. He's the Son. Everything was created for Jesus, for his glory. He's the light of the world. You have to make a choice. If you follow him, then this is what's going to happen. You will have eternal salvation. But you're now in the midst of more of your life. That's and right. I honestly believe that, that that warrior spirit has been crushed and crushed from us through all the milkish sermons and doctrines. And you can say it's a 501 C3 and all this, or whatever it is, you know, all the different programs. But the churches, the organized church has always been milk with the state, with the government, because it's controlled by Satan. It's personal relationship with you and God. Are you willing to go down that path? Because straight narrow path, Pilgrim's Progress, your journey is with you and the Lord. It's not, you know, it's, you know, you and I can support each other and we can celebrate our God and we can worship him. We can honor him. But I cannot walk your walk anymore. You can walk my walk. The only one that can walk the walk with us is Christ. Amen. Period. And that's something that, you know, we don't want to do. I guess it's because, uh, well, I know what it is. It's just... You, this this antichrist spirit that's that has enveloped the whole world from the fall is just you know it's it's 
it's a miracle. I mean, you have to. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say anymore at this point, except that it's it is a struggle. You're in the mm-hmm. middle of a war. You are dealing with the devil and these spirits, and Christ didn't just bring it up just as some analogy or some parable, just to be clever. You're in a war, a spiritual war. And the demonic realm is real. The devil is real. Just as Jesus is real who created you. And just because we can't see them all the time, uh, and most people maybe only see the dark side once or twice in their whole lives, and then they don't want to see it anymore. But if you don't face the dark side, the real, with the light of Christ, if Christ is not on your side, on your right hand side, you 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 don't have any. You're not gonna you're not gonna make it. This world will crush you. Amen. It has to be Christ and Christ alone, and it has to be focused on Him on a daily basis and on a continuous basis. And you have to, and, and by doing that, you're going to start. To not, it's not you're not brainwashing yourself like a lot of people think. Oh, you have repetition over and over again. No, you're developing a relationship with God. And believe me, the spiritual realm is going to manifest, Amen. and you're going to have to start making some choices that are real. And as you're going to follow the Lord, or you're going to follow the devil, and uh, it, most of the world follows these demons, even. Many of them know that they're, what their final outcome is. Many of them know that they will, will be damned for eternity, but because mm-hmm. they, uh, they, and they, and they even know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord. That's right. <laughs> and That's yet, right. uh, because the Amen. battle, the battle is so overwhelming. You know, it could be your battle could be six years. 50 years, 100 years. That's God's choice and his decision. As long as you're at the, but he's going to, if you're one of his, the devil knows that too. And so, I, I can go on and on, but the spiritual warfare is real. So, and uh, if we don't put on the, and Christ is the full armor of God. And so, in other words, you know, when he's talking about Jesus Christ being the full armor of God, if you're not focused on him, thinking about him, trying to serve him, Wherever he takes you, he might take you in the most bizarre. So far in my life, my walk, he's taken me in some of the very bizarre uh, directions. But that's, that's right. for him to, you know, I guess to use me as a tool to shine light in the darkness. You know, never was interested in that stuff. But it's, anyways, I can go on and on. This is the reason why I don't want to interrupt too much because, man, I will, I'm a talker, man. So oh, no, let's get back bro, to that's you. Quite all right. No, absolutely. That's quite all right, because, you know, the same fire that's burning in me is burning in you. And, you know, there's just something about this Jesus that we just want people to see and have an an understanding of. Because he later, afterwards, he says in verse 23, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. Then he says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And he saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. So this demon, or this strong man, you know, once he's cast out, or once these demons are cast out, they're walking around looking for another body to inhabit. 
And that's why the Bible tells us to be sober and be vigilant because the adversary will always try and find a way in, seeking whom he can devour. So then it says when the unclean, um, or then he says, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. So you see, this is one of the places like the strong man likes to get us. He likes to get us in a stagnant place. He likes to get us in a place where, you know, don't worry about nothing, man. You know you're a child of God, and that's all there is to it. If you're a child of God and you're walking with Christ, Christ doesn't stand still. He might tell you to be still in situations that you may hear his voice, but one thing we do when we walk with Jesus is we're ever increasing, okay, in our faith. So let us never be proud of the progress that we have. You know, let us just continue to thank the Lord and move forward because it's dangerous to be proud of the things that God does for us, knowing that we may, you know, look at us and not Christ, okay? And that's how a lot of people get stuck in the wilderness. So this demon will look at you and see your house swept and garnished. You're not reading your Bible. You haven't even been praying lately. Your relationship with the Lord is waning right now. So what am I going to do? If they go back to the sin and they find out that there's nothing there, this demon, what does it say he'll do once it's swept and garnished in 26? Then goeth he and taketh in him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So Jesus was trying to give some understanding that when we are delivered from things, it is important that we don't find ourselves going back because the Lord will be stronger of the enemy. Okay, so this even tells you about this strong man. He's going to lay in wait. He's going to look around. But the next time he gets in, it's going to be hell, you know, to get him out because he's going to be smarter each time around as we ought to be smarter when we are delivered. So that's why Jesus doesn't just deal with us not committing certain sins. He deals with the nature that you may not even want to do these things. Anything that's impulsive is probably demonic, even excessive talking, even, you know, uh, whatever things that you can think about. Anything that's impulsive that you feel like you can't stop doing, even routine can be demonic. That's why there's a such thing as a religious spirit. And a religious spirit inhabits, I would say, man, 90-plus percent of the church. 90-plus percent of the church. Why? Because they can't be the lively stones and go out and do what Jesus tells them to do. They have to go into a system of routine. And that's why at times I have to watch myself and be careful. You know, when your prayers start to become cold, when you find yourself doing things systematically, that's not how the Spirit of God goes. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, neither can you tell the sound thereof, where it goes or when it comes. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Now, of course, we're working our way up and we're, we're you know, getting closer to the Lord, and he's showing us how to get around these things. But in order to have true progression in Christ, we've got to deal with this strong man, okay? It is essential that we get rid of him. So let's look at Isaiah 10. Isaiah chapter 10, I want to bring up a point here. Uh, 
And why is he a strong man? He's not a strong man because of his own power. He's a strong man because he's reached an agreement with you. You see, you like this guy, all right? And, and, and he masquerades himself as being normal and letting your feelings become his. Half the time when people get delivered, when the Lord has delivered me from things, I found myself thinking differently. I found myself taking time to actually figure out who I am in Jesus. Because what I thought was Christ, what I thought was me, what I thought was godly, you know, has now been moved because a religious spirit has been taken out of my life. So, you know, it's almost like God has to reformat the mind that the mind may think as free as he is. Okay, so this is on Isaiah uh, 10, and let's look at verse 22. He says, For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return to the consumption, decreed uh, shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwelleth in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrian. That, and the Assyrian is a type of Antichrist. Although they were dealing with an Assyrian here, you're going to find out why I said that. But, you know, that's who they're dealing with. He shall smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. So as you can see, this is an Antichrist spirit. He's saying that the Assyrian is going to come and be just like Egypt was, just how the new world order is going to be with you and I. So then it says, for yet a very little while, and the indignation shall cease, and mine anger in their destruction. And the Lord of hosts shall stir up a scourge for him according to the slaughter of Midian at the rock of Oreb, and as his uh, rod was upon the sea, so shall he lift it up after the manner of Egypt. So God's authority is going to be in place again, like just how they had Aaron's rod before, you know, that parted the Red Sea, and they were able to walk across on dry land. God intends to do this for the children of Israel against the Assyrian. Okay, the Assyrian were, they were two um, kings from Assyria. I can't remember their names, but they ruled, I think, 30 years in between each other. But this is around the time that, or seven years, and this is the time that the children of Israel were being oppressed. But God is telling them, I will free you. Don't be afraid of him. You do what I'm telling you to do, and I'm going to set you free. And look at verse 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of what? The anointing. Okay, so what we got to understand is the anointing is when the Spirit of God is placed upon you and you're given a particular assignment. So when God is telling these people, though you be in bondage, these yokes will be broken off of your necks. And this is what the Lord is trying to do for his people now. Because many of us walk after Egypt. Many of us love the world. The world is a huge strong man to people of God because they're always looking for a happy medium where Egypt and God can coexist. Just how Egypt and, and the promised land didn't go together, neither does heaven and the earth. Neither does the spirit of God and the flesh. The two don't go together. But what will the strong man do? 
try and turn you to a sense of a place of normalcy that you might be okay with both coexisting, okay? And this is what the devil tries to do, but it's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke. You know, we've got to understand this, and let's keep this in mind. So from here, I want to go to Luke 4, and then we're going to really jump into this thing. All right, Luke chapter 4, and let's look at verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. This was after he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted. So Jesus was just anointed. Let's make that clear. And when he was anointed, he was taken 40 days and being tempted of the devil into the wilderness. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards he hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. So what was the devil telling Jesus to do? Perform a spiritual work for him. And since we're out here in the wilderness where there is no food, why don't you just do that? Because I know you got the power to do it. You've been anointed. So why don't you just have something to eat? And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So basically the Holy Ghost commanded Jesus to go into the wilderness that he should fast for 40 days. So Jesus is yielding to the Spirit of God, telling him, you know, the Word of God says that I'm supposed to fast this long. So the devil was trying to get him to break it. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain shewed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. So you see, the devil was searching inside of Jesus to say, man, if there's some iniquity in there, I know how to pull it out. If there's a strong man present, I know how to move it. Okay, so I'm going to tempt him with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. I want to see what's inside of Jesus. Okay, so this is why when many of our sins are confronting us, okay, Jesus is showing you them in hope that you make a choice to pursue him and continue, or do you want to run back to where you are? But as you can tell, every decision that Jesus made here was either to destroy the works of the devil and to claim victory over the devil, temptation after temptation, you know, temptation by temptation, or it was meant to bind Jesus that he may never go any further. Okay, that's what this is about. So he says, I'll give you all these. And the devil made it very clear to Jesus, all these things are mine. Okay, look at verse 7. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So these are mine, that Jesus, if you worship me, they'll be yours. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot upon a stone. So what did the devil do when Jesus quoted scripture at him? The devil says, okay, now I know I'm not dealing with the average joker. So since he's a believer of God's word, 
I'm going to quote Psalm 91 back to Jesus to find out if there's a religious spirit here. And he took him to the temple, like to show him, you see, I control that too, okay? Because the only temple that, that no man has ever controlled or that, or that um, God controls today and what he's looking for is you and I. Every other religious institution and setting, if it's not full of the lively stones of the Spirit of God, it is owned by the devil, all right? And that's why you mentioned tonight 501c3 and all that other stuff. When you find out who's really controlling pastors, who's limiting what they can say and what they can't say, okay? So that's a covenant with the enemy. But I wanted to make the point clear, too, that back in verse um, 5 and 6 and 7, he offered Jesus kingdoms in the world. He offered him work. He offered him a place in his kingdom if he would just bow down and worship. The devil referred to that as worship, okay? He referred to being a part of this system, worship. And Jesus told them, you know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. Oh, no, he says, um, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So, you know, I'm not trying to really jump into this like that tonight, but, you know, it is awfully funny how the devil referred to having a place in his kingdom as a form of worship and Jesus rejecting it, working outside of the system. Okay, that's just something to keep in mind. So he, he told Jesus to throw himself down from the temple. You know, he quoted in uh, Psalm 91. So in verse 12 it says, And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay, so Jesus made it very clear, you're trying to tempt me. Okay, we don't do things just because we can. Jesus obeyed the Father that he may not serve the devil. So as you can see, if we're not led by the Spirit, if God doesn't dictate what we do, we are serving the enemy in one of three places, and that's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And when the devil had ended had uh, ended all the temptation, he departed from him for for a season. So what did Jesus say? That devil will double back. When did he double back on Jesus again? In the Garden of Gethsemane, just to see where Jesus is. I mean, he even tried it many times, but he left for a season. Meant he'll be back. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. So as you can see, Jesus wasn't bound. So because of that, the spirit could heavily rest on him. The anointing could be upon him. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where uh, he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood forth to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. So the Spirit of God came on Jesus to anoint him to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus came to set the captives free. He came in the anointing that those who were bound up would be set free. So you, he talked about even deliverance. 
You know, the, the things that have people bound today, this is the work of God to set us free. All right? So let's just understand that. And it says, and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him because Jesus was like no one that they had ever seen. Jesus was totally free. Jesus wasn't bound by anything at all. So we got to understand this strong man. He's going to tempt you. He's going to try and bind you. He's going to try and get you to go back to the world. And in many cases, for some of us Christians, he's really succeeding. He's keeping you from getting in the power of the Spirit, which is what Jesus Christ had here, where he had total authority over the enemy. Jesus just didn't get baptized, get the Spirit, and say, I'm going to go cast out devils. Jesus was led by the Spirit to work out his flesh. Why? So that the enemy would have no place to hide, no, no temptation that the devil could throw on him, nothing that Jesus would want in this world that he could hold Jesus captive. So we've got to understand that, why it's so important that this strong man be bound, that we truly not seek after desires of this world, because as long as we want something out of here that is not given by God, the devil has a, a place to bind you. Okay, so what we're going to talk about again, like I said, binding the strong man. So let's give an example of this in picture format. Okay, so let's go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. All right, so this is the story of Jericho, and it says, we'll start at verse 1. Now, when Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. So these Amorites, or whatever they were dealing with in Jerusalem, these, dry, these giant tribes, it says Jericho, the city they lived in, was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So the demons are afraid of the children of Israel now because they're walking in the power of God. They've defeated armies of, the, of these giant tribes, and they're getting ready to deal with Jericho. And as you can see, Jericho is shut up tight. And that's exactly how the devil behaves. Remember, Jesus said that the strong man would be armed and keep his palace, keep his place in perfect peace. So here they are, bound up tight, not even going out or coming in, because they know that Israel waits at the door, just like the devil knows that Jesus Christ is at the door. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So who is the king? The king is the strong man. That is what? Holding down the stronghold. Who are those mighty men of valor he has? Those are the demons, okay, that are in there. All right? And that's it. So the point he's making here. He says, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And, and, he, and, ye shall come, and ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark of seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpet. So what is he saying here? 
that these guys are going in number sevens. The priests are going to be there. The ark is going to be there. They're going to have the ram's horns blowing the trumpet. Now, for six days, they're going to go around this city one time. But on the seventh day, they're going to go around it seven times. Okay, so let's make that clear. And then it says, and the seven priests shall bear of the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now, if you look at this, I hate to like dip off into something else real quick, but notice how it talks about seven trumpets. It talks about the seven priests, which can even be representative of the seven angels for the seven churches. But if you look at the trumpets and you look at all these things, and then it says, once the great shout and the trumpet is blown, it says that um, the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. This sounds an awful lot like First Thessalonians chapter 4 when it says that the Lord from heaven will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we will meet with them in the clouds, or meet the Lord in the clouds. Now, Jericho was a city that not only was there a, a 30-foot wall in front of them, but this city kind of had like a pyramid-looking thing on top of it where the walls were leaned and tall, so there was no way to break into this place. All right? So I'm just bringing up the point here that these Israelites are walking with the Lord, okay? That's the only point that I wanted to make, that the presence of the Lord is with them. So then it says in verse 6, And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, pass on and compass the city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets. Uh, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. Now, what is the Ark of the Covenant? A type of Jesus Christ, okay? And it's a type of throne of God. Verse 9, and the armed men went before the priest that blew with the trumpets, and the re-reward came after the Ark, the priest going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then ye shall shout, or then shall ye shout. Verse 11, so the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord uh, went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men uh, went before them, but the re-reward came after the ark of the trumpets and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. 
Uh, and the second day, they can pass the city once and return unto the camp. So they did six days. So they did the six days. They went around the trumpet. They had the men of war there. They had the ark um, bared by seven priests, and then they would blow the trumpet, all right, to complete one journey around each day. So then it says in verse 15, and it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout for the Lord hath given you this city. And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are in her house, or, or in the house, uh, because she hid the messengers that we sent. Now, Rahab was the harlot that sent, remember, uh, she hid two spies of the children of Israel, so because she believed that the children of Israel would win against Jericho. So because of that, they wanted to save Rahab out of her situation, but everything else in that city would be destroyed because we know right now we're dealing with Nephilim and we're dealing with a Nephilim city, okay? So they were not human beings as we know them to be. And then it says uh, in verse 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourself accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So this is important because he tells them, guys, when you break down Jericho, because Jericho is coming down, the strong man and the stronghold will be broken down. But then it will be accursed, meaning that you wouldn't have any dealings to do with those things that once inhabited this city. Okay? He said, it will be a curse. Don't build it up again. Don't even try and plant on this land. Just how Jesus is telling you and I, when an unclean spirit is going out of a man, we've got to keep him out. Why? Or we will be accursed, and those spirits will have seven other demons that will come back upon us. So then he says in verse 19, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So he says, hey, get rid of everything, destroy everything. But he made clear, if you get any, you know, spoils of war, like silver and gold or vessels and brass and iron, those things are to be consecrated and given over to the Lord, not to keep these things of ourselves. It's kind of like when we learn of Christ and we go through the process of salvation and then eventually sanctification, we know that it is not us it is God who gets the glory with every act that he performs through us. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, um, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman and young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Now, some people may wonder, well, Lord, how could you be so mean to kill every man, woman, and young? 
you better understand that these were Nephilim. If people don't know what Nephilim are, they are the fallen ones, okay? What we fight with today are Nephilim. They are disembodied spirits of the giants that were in the days of Noah, okay, and, and before. And, and some of them even know that they're still around today, okay? They're in areas that you, you don't know anything about, but we still war with them in bodies and disembodied, okay? So he's saying that once that happened, once the shout of the Lord came, once they had bound the strong man, that's why they went around there seven, seven days, okay, and everything in perfect sevens, which was a work of the Holy Ghost. Once this was done, okay, they shouted, and they were able to go up into the city and take that city over. That's exactly what God and the Holy Ghost wants to do with you and I. Once he binds the strong man, he wants to cast him out so that we may be inhabited by God. And you can't have any residue of demons. You can't have strong man junior in there. You can't have any sins that led you to having that strong man. These things have to be obliterated. They have to be desolate so that God can, can grow the fruit and the gifts, okay, with his spirit inside of us. All right, does that make any sense so far? All right, so let's look at verse 22. But Joshua yeah. had said uh, unto yeah, the two men, sense. what's that, bro? Hello? Yeah, I think we have a delay, don't we? I just, uh, can you hear me? Does it, yeah, I can hear you now, yes. I think we yeah, have so. a delay. It's interesting, yeah. There, there is a delay going on. It, it's, it's been going on for, for several shows now. Sorry, every time I say something, it's like it, it's like a two or three second delay before you hear it. Anyway, I was just saying yes. I'm in agreement with you, the Nephilim and the Nephilim spirits and uh, whatever else was going on in that city. Obviously, in God's eyes, it was pure wickedness, and uh, he wouldn't in any way destroy... I mean, let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah just for a second, you know. There's a reason mm -hmm. why he destroyed that city, utterly, because your wickedness in the people, and part of that, and a big part of that wickedness is demon possession. That's and right. um, so these people, we're not going to give up on their, <clears throat> the loves of not only the flesh, but of their, their demonic partnership with the the devil and his his hordes, his minions. So I mean, what is a guy? What is a guy supposed to do with that situation? Yeah, and technically, the Nephilim mean, weren't even supposed to be around. <laughs> right. So you know, you have these people, and they, you know, going. I mean, I I don't. But you know, you first at first glance, when people hear these stories, they're like, "Man, this is that." God of wrath, and he's mean and he's cruel, but you have to understand the story, and you need to spend time seeing it and figure it out why he did it. And the reason why he did it is this place was wicked to the core. Um, and he did show mercy on Rahab, Rahab and her, her family, which he didn't have That's to do right. that at all. That's but he showed mercy on them because they showed more mercy on his people. But apparently, the rest of that that city, Jericho, uh, didn't have any mercy at all in them. 
were as wicked as wicked could be. Now, um, what do you do in that situation? That's right. You know, I, I, God is wiser than us. So, and in the end, I mean, who's the one that wiped him out? <laughs> That's right. He, he took a supernatural act of God himself to do it, preserve his, the truth. And I think exactly. that's much more important, the truth, than it is about, it's true than anything else. So, I mean, I don't know. I can, you can go on. That's, that's a, this is a whole teaching in itself, the story of Jericho and the destruction of it, because it's much more complicated than the first glance. And if you're operating simply in the flesh and you're looking for a problem, and let me tell you, I went down that road looking for a problem in the book instead of, Asking God, you know, what's going on here? He'll hand you over to your pride, which we talked about you earlier, and the pride of uh, of man's intellect, which inevitably will lead you astray. That's right. Worshiping Lucifer himself. So that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and that's one reason Thanks why. No, absolutely, bro. That's absolutely why you know we've got to trust God in this because you know. The Bible makes clear too that there are things which seem right unto the man to a man, but in the end are the ways of death. These Nephilim were the children of fallen angels and humans back in Genesis six, and when they were down here, they didn't just coexist with man, they took over. That's exactly what the homosexuality agenda is doing. That's exactly what you're seeing everywhere. They're taking over. You cannot coexist with the devil. The devil will come in and make his abode, okay, and, and he, he intends to exterminate the Christian, all right? So you got to understand what was going on in this town. God didn't want his people mixing with any of them because he knew that they were of wicked seed, okay? So all they would have done, let's just say he said, well, spare the youth because they had nothing to do with it. All those Nephilim people would have done or those youth would have done was grown up, okay, and Ward with the children of Israel. That's all they would have done. The, the Nephilim women would have enticed Israel to try and sleep with them. That way they could have Nephilim blood. It would have just been a constant war. And these Nephilim were into witchcraft. Okay, so they would have, they would, they know that their father is the devil and their whole fight would have been against the Lord. And that's what we got to understand about trying to give things a pass in our lives. Oh, well, God don't mind. I won't do nothing. Hey, that's a covenant. I don't care how big or how small. That's a covenant cut with the enemy that gives him a legal right into your life. So when God wants to work things out with us slowly, he takes them from us one at a time or little by little so that we may have understanding and maintain the relationship with the Lord that we have. He doesn't want this house inhabited by anything but the Holy Ghost. So if you look at verse 23, uh, verse 22, it says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that uh, had spied out the country, Go into the harlot, uh, the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab. And you know what? I believe Rahab was a captive here. I believe Rahab was held against her own will. Who's going to be in a Nephilim town as a harlot just hanging out there? 
Rahab wasn't a, wasn't Nephilim, you know. So th- this is something to really think about. You know, she was a captive, and what did the Lord do? Set her free because she believed. And her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out uh, all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had, and she dwelt in Israel even unto this day. So, you know, she became of Israel. I can't remember exactly who, but I believe Rahab was related to somebody of the children of Israel or like one of those side uh, tribes, you know, or something. I have to look into that further, but she's actually a relative of somebody important in the Bible, if I remember correctly. So it says to save her household, Joshua saved them all. And then it says, uh, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out of Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundation. And the word Jericho means it's moon. You know, I don't know what significance that plays, but it doesn't sound like it's bright. You know, it sounds like the lesser light to rule the night, <laughs> you know. But anyways, it says, so anyone that builds Jericho will be cursed. He shall lay the foundation thereof of his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So he's making clear that if they were to be involved in this again or caught up in this with building Jericho, which is a place that the strong man lived and lives in many of us, You know, he says that once God frees it and takes it down and sets the captive free, if you should build it up again, you will be accursed. Now, of course, God has mercy and he works things out with us, but we're talking about this city. This city can be used as a type of end times, okay? When God comes back and he finds that the glory of God is not in us, then we are um, accursed. Yeah, Bart, what were you going to say? Sorry for interjecting so late. Uh, yeah, no problem. Far for course for me, but I had I because I, you know as far as Rahab, Rahab is very important in the story of our Lord and Savior. Uh, right. Rahab, if we're talking talking about the same one, is is she uh, like the mother of Boaz, who married Ruth, mm-hmm. from whose That's son right. Obed, Jesse, the father of David, so. And through who, whose line Jesus was born? So uh-huh. uh, that's yeah. how we missed that whole thing and the, and the conversation of how important it was, uh, mm-hmm. how important she was uh, to to the Israelites themselves. So and there we go once again a great example of God's wisdom. Why did He preserve her? Because He He had plans for her seed. That his son would come through our Lord and Savior. Amen. Oh, we're right over heads. That's how important. Exactly. It is. <laughs> okay. Amen. Uh, That's the wisdom of God that He knew that Rahab would be, you know, that important later on. So that proves she wasn't Nephilim. 
You know, she was a captive held in that city. So it says in verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Isn't that funny? The Lord was with Joshua. The Lord was with Yeshua. What did they say happened to Jesus in Luke 4 when he, um, when he dealt with all the temptation of the devil and he came in the power of the Spirit? What did it say? That the Lord was with him. And it says that a fame went out of Jesus roundabout. So you can see what they had to do to destroy Jericho was bind the strong man. Jesus went into the wilderness to do what? Have the power to bind the strong man. That's what this is all about. So you saw it in a story-like term, and you saw it with someone, our Messiah, working in the spirit, binding the strong man. So sometimes, you know, you got to have praise and worship. You got to have the Lord, you know, all around you. You've got to have, you've got to be filled with the praise of the Lord and surrounded by the Spirit so that the walls of this strong man come tumbling down and that it can be inhabited by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God only. All right? So I want to move on. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. And I knew Rahab was related to somebody. That's awesome, bro, that you caught that. You know, you were able to pull that up. Yeah, that is the wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is 1 Samuel 17, and let's look at verse 1. Now the Philistines uh, gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together at Shucko and belongeth to Judah and pitched between Shucko and Azekah in a festament. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah. And Elah means tree. Okay, so that's that's interesting too, but we're going to um, get to that. It means an oak. All right, and it says, And set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So whenever you see like things like said, a valley between them, or the other side, or you see, you know, there are um, two op- opposing forces in the Bible. One is the spirit, and the other represents the flesh. Okay, verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Okay, so this champion of the enemy comes out, okay, to face the armies of Israel. This is none other than a strong man. Okay, yes, it is Goliath. Yes, this is a type of Antichrist. Yes, this is the flesh magnified. But this is also the champion, okay, of the Philistines. Here's the strong man, all right? And his height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of brass. What is brass? Usually a type of flesh. Brass can represent the flesh. So he had a helmet of flesh, a helmet of brass upon his head. That meant he had fleshly thoughts. And he was armed, just like the strong man, with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. So what do we see here? That this strong man is armed and extremely dangerous. Look at verse 6. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. So this guy is covered in the flesh, okay? Look at verse 6, or verse 7. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, 
and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. So, man, you know, this is a false armor of the full armor of God. This is the strong man, okay? And he is armed and extremely dangerous, like the Bible says. Verse 8, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man for who, for you, and let him come down to me. So you see, the, the Philistine probably had more sense than all of them here, okay, because he's saying, what are we doing even standing here together? I'm a man of war. I war against the spirit. I war against God. So what do we look like sitting here peacefully coexisting? If I'm a Philistine, you guys should be fighting me, right? You should be trying to take dominion over me. But they're just standing there. Why? Because they're servants of Saul. Let's keep that in mind. Verse 9. If ye be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will I be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at this strong man. He offered them a challenge. He said, hey, let us fight. And he said, if you're able to kill me, if the spirit is able to kill the flesh, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him, if the flesh prevails against the spirit and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. So what is this? What is this? This is a battle of supremacy. This is a battle of captivity or freedom. This is what we deal with as Christians, the war against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And the Philistines said, I defy the army of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So you can see when a person is just dealing with casual demons and they come to Christ, it's so funny how a lot of those demons will leave. But when you touch the strong man, when you hit a nerve, when you start talking about, you know, a wife ought to be submissive to her husband, when you talk about the church is just not a place where, um, you know, it's just not where the place where we worship Jesus, that we're the temple of the Lord and he wants us to be lively, when you start talking about things such as these, you'll find out who's real and who's saved and who's not because that strong man is going to rise up. And this is what you're seeing today. So the devil, you see how the Philistine didn't wait long before he offered a challenge. Why? Because the children of Israel are trying to take the ground that he's in. All right? So then it says, uh, when Saul and all of Israel... Uh, heard those words with the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. You know, bro, that would be kind of like you and I talking about, um, well, you know, in order to serve Jesus at the end, you're not going to be able to work unless you receive a mark of the beast. Now, you see, a Christian that has not settled that in their hearts and minds, they can't even fathom that. This is where they get off the train. This is where they abandon ship. This is where they turn and run back to Egypt because they have not settled it within themselves that this thing is about Jesus anyway, and he will provide. 
So you see Saul and his army, they heard these words. Man, I got to fight against him in order to be set free. Man, I don't want to give up the spirit of lust because I like chasing women. I don't want to give up my job to serve the Lord fully. He may not provide. So as you can see, this is the type of strong man that we run into. The strong man always reveals himself about how he's not going to give up and give in to Jesus. But it's up to us to subdue that flesh and trust Christ. I'm not telling people quit their job, but I will say this. You're not supposed to have anything over him, and that includes work. If he should tell you to leave your job, then as a Christian, you leave your job and follow the Lord. But you see, this is the strong man. So he says, the soul and his men were afraid. Now David was the son of the Ephratite and of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men, and oh, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle, and 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 the names of his three sons that went to the battle was Eliab, the firstborn, the next um, unto him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. So David was the youngest with his father. The other three followed Saul. So as you can see, they were a part of Saul's army. David was home with the father. David is a type of Christ, okay, with the father. Let's, let's look at this. And then it says in verse 15, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at, at Bethlehem. So Bethlehem, Jesus, and David are from the same, the same town, same place. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself, what? Forty days. So now we're getting somewhere. The Philistine presented himself before the armies of Saul 40 days, just like when Jesus was confronted by the devil for 40 days when he was subduing his flesh. Okay, that strong man, which was the devil, was trying to get Jesus not to go any further. Look at verse 17. And Jesse said, which is the father of David, unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, okay, and run to the camp to thy brethren. So he told David to come and bring the loaves, bring God's sustenance, which is a type of Christ. And he says, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. And look how, they, uh, how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. So, just to make this make some sense right now, when Jesus came to the earth, the earth was in a hopeless and deprived state. Not only was Jesus our bread to come, but he was also our milk that we would feed from, okay? Because Jesus brought the, the experience of being born again. And what does the Bible say? That newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God. So so David brought these ten cheeses, and he brought this bread, okay, for his brethren. And the father says that when you look at these, um, when you look, go and see how your brethren are doing, and then take their pledge. So what did Jesus do? He was born. He walked the earth for 30 years to see how his brethren were doing. 
And then he took their pledge, being baptized in the Jordan River to receive the spirit to go up against this Philistine, this Goliath, this devil, to conquer his place, okay, and to return in power of the spirit, okay? Hopefully this is making sense because I'm trying to bring it forward as, as quickly as I can that just how Jesus had to subdue the devil, David here is looking at the pledge of his brethren or seeing what his brethren are doing and taking his pledge to enlist in war. Verse 19, now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. What does Elah mean? An oak. What did Jesus do to crucify the flesh that we may inhabit the spirit? He took his cross. Okay, this is where the battle of flesh and spirit meet. This is how the strong man becomes subdued. We've got to die out to self that Christ can live. The cross is your only salvation, and it is your only freedom in Jesus Christ. So where's the flesh and the spirit meeting? At the cross. Verse 20, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. Notice this keeper has no name. And took and went as, as Jesse had commanded, as his father commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host uh, was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper. See, this keeper has no name. Of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. So this keeper is a type of Holy Ghost that is keeping the sheep for David, okay, while he obeys his father. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. So what does Gath mean? It means it's a wine press, like the wine press that Jesus is going to tread over at the end of time. What does Goliath mean? Goliath means splendor. You see, a lot of us are bound in a strong man because of splendor, because of the pleasures of self over what God wants. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. This is how the strong man binds us in the world and keeps us from serving Christ. So then he says, um, okay, so uh, the, the Philistine uh, came, and it says, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion. This is the strong man, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel uh, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So as you can see, no one wants to contend with the strong man. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now, man, this is a mouthful. If you look at this, they're saying they were afraid. They ran from the strong man. They didn't want to um, deal with him. But remember how the Bible says at the end of time 
that people would look at the Antichrist, they would look at the beast and say, who is like unto this beast? Who is able to make war with him? Who is able to defy him? So you see, but they said, man, you know, and the Bible makes clear at the coming of Christ, only Jesus is going to deal with the Antichrist. But it says here that if they should kill this strong man, man, it says him, the king, which is Christ, will enrich him with great riches, eternal life, and gifts of the Spirit, and will give him his daughter and make him his father's house free in Israel. So that means you get to inhabit the spirit. You get, when it says give him his daughter, you get to become a bride of Christ. Man, this is so important that we understand this. And then it says, and David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men of it, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So David's brother, his anger is in the wrong place because David's brother has just met the strong man in David's brother's life. And this is what happens when people run up against a strong man. The first thing they like to do is get mad at the liberator, just like Moses. Moses came to free the children of Israel, and what happened? They were angry with Moses. Didn't we tell you to leave us alone in Egypt? Well, because, you know, instead of facing the true enemy that we need to, you see, when our hearts are bound to things like this, we fight against Jesus. We fight against the will of God and the things that God wants. So David's brother is, is angry with David. But, you know, if Eliab really wanted to fight, hey, you got the strong man out there. What are you getting mad at David for? But you see, when you have that type of zeal to serve the Lord, you'll find other religious people with the strong man that will try and talk you out of it. You don't show enough love, brother. You're not that loving to your people. You see, it's about love. It's not about war. Don't fight. Don't hurt people's feelings. Now, now, we don't want to offend. That's a strong man because they're afraid to go and fight the strong man, they'll turn against you, calling you proud. Sorry, brother, for getting excited about this, but, man, this is exactly what goes on. So look at verse 29. And David said, what have I now done? Uh, Is there not a cause? So David is saying, man, is there not a cause? This guy is blaspheming God. This strong man has held you back all your life fed you all sorts of lies, okay, and all this stuff going on. And you mean to say, now that the liberator is here, is there not a reason to want to take this bum down? Don't you see what he's done to your life? Don't you see how he sucked the very life out of you and he oppresses you that you can never fully be happy here? So why are you fighting the liberator that wants to set you free? Look at verse 30. 
And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed him before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. So David is making a distinction here between those of us who are bound by the strong man and those of us who are willing to war with the strong man. All those men out there of Saul were out there in battle array. And David just was out there for 15 minutes, maybe, and says, man, did you hear that? I'm not here to talk. I'm not here to look like a Christian. I'm not here to look prim and proper. I'm here to war with the devil because that is what's required of me. And I want Christians to hear this loud and clear. I want you to get what I'm saying to you right now, that when we decide to serve Jesus Christ, as we talked about last week, wearing that armor is for war. It's not to sit around and look pretty. So then he says, and David said that he would go and fight. This is verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Now let's get this straight. Saul, who is carnally minded at this point, is looking at David, that all he has is faith in God. But Saul's looking at the Philistine and saying, You're not able to war with him. In other words, David, you're new to the battle. Okay, you're just a babe. But if you look at this guy, this strong man, he's been with you all your life. He's been a warrior from the very beginning. How could you possibly fight him? Why would you stop chasing women when you've been doing it for 40 years? Why would you listen to the word of God to tell you to be obedient unto your husband? Okay, when you've been living the way you've been living with the Jezebel spirit for years. Why would you dare to go and tell people that being in a temple is not the only place to worship God when you've been a member for years? This is what I'm talking about. But let me continue for the time being. So he told David, you won't be able to do it because he's a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and, and smote him and slew him. So David is telling Saul, I don't know what you're talking about concerning this Philistine. Don't get it twisted. I'm not one of the members of this army. Okay, I've got a resume. I know the Lord. I've protected the sheep. I've been in battle. And more importantly, I believe God. Okay, so he's telling them, my faith is not your faith. Verse, verse 37, so David slew a lion and a bear that was going after the sheep. So, of course, David had faith to Goliath. And see, if we don't battle with this strong man, if we don't get in this war, if we won't allow ourselves to be limited, you're not going to have faith in God. It's important that we grow with him every day and we allow him to take us through all sorts of battles and trials so that we may grow in Christ from faith to faith, glory to glory. Every day, every week, every month, 
we should be getting stronger with Christ. So he says, and Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. So Saul was putting carnal armor on David, and then gave him a helmet of brass, you know, a helmet of flesh. Also, he armed him with the coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put off, put the armor off, or he put them off. So David recognized, if I'm going to deal with a strong man, I can't do this in flesh. I can't do this in politics. I can't do this through, you know, um, voting and then whatever else I'm trying to do. I'm going to do this with the Spirit of God because Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. All David knew how to do was to believe God, and that's all that David wanted. That's all he was concerned with. Verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, uh, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistines. So David went towards the enemy. And I also want to point out here, too, that David picked five smooth stones because Goliath had four brothers. Okay, Goliath might have been the strong man, but one thing David was going to do is, I'm not just knocking you out. I'm knocking out all the others. Five is also a type of grace, making Goliath a type of, um, a type of a law. You see how the spirit and the law don't go together either. But David took that staff representing the authority of Christ, and he had these five smooth stones. And you know that Christ is always regarded as a rock or a stone. All right, so it says, And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. So, you know, this Philistine came forward, and this armor bearer that he had went in front of him. So David didn't just have to knock out the strong man. He had to knock out the armor of the strong man as well. All right? And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Okay, so I want to skip down here, but, you know, everybody knows the story. Read this in your spare time, but I want to get to um, a part. Uh, look at verse 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet with the Philistine. So David met him halfway. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in the forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell uh, upon his face to the earth. Okay, so David slew the strong man. And where did he strike him? In the mind. Where is the strong man? In the mind. The Bible makes clear in, in uh, Romans 12 and verse 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What did David do here? Presented his body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God which is our reasonable service. David fought for the Lord. He made himself available for the Lord. And then it says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed where? In the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He struck Goliath in the forehead because that's where the strong man was. That's where he attacked it. And as you can see, the strong man went down. The armies of Israel that day defeated the armies of the Philistines. Okay, so when we war with the devil, what God wants to do is change the mind. Why? To break down the stronghold of the strong man. All right, I just want to bring up that point. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And, bro, if you got anything to add, you can. Well, you know, when it comes to the stronghold and the mind, it's it's interesting how strong it actually is and uh, how from the youth in this world, right. in our youth, <clears throat> we are constantly bombarded with deceptions and lies, and we believe them, and we learn to love them. That's right. And, <clears throat> so, you know, part of this and breaking away from the uh, the, uh, the satanic uh, delusion that has taken over humanity, you have to be anchored in in Christ. That's it. That's right. you, you, have to, you have to put your faith in him and what he said. And what happens is it, <clears throat> the scales start coming away from your eyes, you know, falling from your eyes, and you start seeing the world for what it really is and who Christ really is. And... You know, it's just like he says, we know in an earlier verse, I don't know if it was Mark or, or Luke, or was, I think it was Luke, um, about, you know, bringing sight to the blind. It's part of the things, you know. Not only he healed the broken heart, and the broken heart is, it's more than just, say, a girl that hurts you, you know, because she broke you or broke up with you or betrayed you. That's right. This whole, this whole world will betray you. And you should have a broken heart and a contrite spirit because you come to a realization of how absolutely desperate your situation is. And he will bring that to you and then raise you up and you start to see things clearly, you know, how the world really is, who he is. And uh, in his time, so some people it happens like, wow, overnight, you know, within a month or two and they got it. And others it may take years, you know, because of how how strong that strong man is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know Absolutely, I mean? it, bro. Yeah, so it's one of those things that, you know, but I could talk on more about that, but it's just uh, when you're talking about the mind, we're talking about something that it's, you have to, at some point you have to make a decision. That's you really true. do. And you mentioned earlier in the beginning of this, teaching, you know, you can't be in both worlds. You can't be of this world and of Christ. You can't have a happy medium. It just doesn't That's won't right. work. And nope. so if if you follow Christ, then the world's going to crumble before your eyes. That's right. <laughs> Whether you want to or not, you know what I mean? And he's Amen. doing you actually, he's doing you a great favor, but at the time it doesn't seem that way because you're losing all these things, these idols, these things that you cherish so much the things of this world, what the world told you is so important. And, uh, but you start to realize the truth that Jesus is what's so important and everything else has just been a big distraction. 
It's That's like right. we're in the middle of a, a carnival, but this carnival is just the worst of all carnivals that anybody ever could imagine. You know, right. uh, you know what I mean? And every ride okay. that you go on, this world would only lead you down to a dark tunnel into total destruction. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with staying anchored with the Lord as long as, uh, as long as he allows me. I'm going to be here to serve him. I don't want to serve this world. I don't like this world. Me either. I don't, I don't like anything about it. Everything that I've ever thought that I cherished so much in my life, and he said, "Well, yeah, you're you know you're a Christian, you're a religious fanatic." Now I'm 50 years old, and I experienced all this. I experienced the world, and the world. And sorry for the language, but it sucks. It sucks you dry. It it it, it drain, drains you. It destroys you. There's nothing good about it. It's just you know, all of it's packaged. You know, it's like oh, I mean everything's fake. Yep. Everyone walks around with fake faces and. F- Fake teeth, <laughs> fake bodies, and fake clothes. It just gets, it goes on and on and on. It's all a big shell game. It's all a big lie. So yeah, why would anybody want to do anything else but serve him? That's right. Amen. Amen, brother. You are so right, and I love what you said in Luke four when you mentioned about the heart, because you know the Bible mentioned several times um, Isaiah one is one of them where it talks about that the whole head is sick and the heart faint. And when the Lord told them later, come and let us reason together, though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as wool. You know, because one of the things that happens to a faint heart is it does, it has no desire to love the Lord. That's a strong man, you know. And also when your heart is sick, it ends up starting to love things that it shouldn't. It's just how we get corrupted and perverse in the world when we feed on it. You know, desires that you thought at one point were disgusting, you begin to run after because your heart is held captive. Your heart is broken, and God has to give you a new heart of flesh that his spirit can inhabit, that you can feel what he feels and desires the things that he wants. So that's a great point that you brought that up because the head and the heart, the devil is battling for your mind. Everything that we're dealing with right now is about your mind, and that's what the strong man fights to keep you away from, that you may never know Jesus. So, you know, bro, I love that you brought that point up. Now let's look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, let's look at verse 1. And they, which are Jesus' people, he and his people, came over unto where the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now notice, if we look at verse 1 again, they came over unto the other side. So they were once walking in the flesh. They were in the wilderness. What happened to the children of Israel when they got to the promised land? Immediately they were met with those giants. Okay, so as you cross over, as this veil pulls back, as you begin to get closer to Christ, this strong man will rise up. Verse 3, and it says immediately, who, uh, this is verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs 
and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Another interesting point about this strong man, he was dwelling among the tombs. He was living and dwelling amongst the dead. No life. He was in a dead, captive situation. All right? And they said, man, no man could bind him with chains. Nobody could get him to come in. Verse 4, because that he had had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. We're talking about a manimal. We're talking about someone armed and extremely dangerous, someone that has no rule over his spirit, as we talked about last week. This guy is all over the place. They couldn't make this man submit if they wanted to. All right? Verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Now, you know that this is demonic because there's even a, a um, condition in the medical world. They call it cutting. When a person is depressed, when a person is um, suffering with oppression and, and thoughts of suicide and things like that, they begin to mutilate their bodies. So as you can see, this is a spirit of mutilation. But more importantly, if we take this in the spiritual terms, it says that this guy was in the mountains. I mean, um, uh, yeah, and it says, and always, that meant every day, constantly, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. So he was amongst the dead and in the wild, away from everything, crying and cutting himself. Do we even realize that this is a life of an unbeliever? This is a life of someone that loves the world? Always, day and night, feeding on the world, suffering heartbreak after heartbreak, doing a bunch of things that don't mean anything. You're amongst the tombs. You're dead. You're the walking dead. You've got no life. But this is what this guy was doing, and he was cutting himself. You know why? Because he refused to be bound. He refused to fall under subjection unto, unto that which is righteous. So look at verse 7 or verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So this guy recognizing where his state was, and remember the Bible makes clear that the anointing breaks the yoke. When he saw Jesus, this man had enough strength in himself, even in his state, to run and throw himself before Jesus and to worship him. Just like the children of Israel worshiped God going around Jer Jericho. And let's see what happens next. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So this obviously wasn't the man speaking, and that's why if you look at the Matthew 8 account in this story, it mentions two that were in the tombs that came out. It says, um, uh, what does it say, a vicious or wicked and exceeding fierce, that if anybody passed by, they would go after them or attack them? Well, this is when he says there were two in the tombs, and the Bible says here there was one. He's talking about not just the man, but the demon that was in the man. So as this man had enough will within himself to recognize the strong man, 
broke himself before Jesus in worship. Now that this, this strong man is in the presence of Jesus, he's now speaking. And he says, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So right away, this strong man, this demon, knows that this is Jesus Christ, and he knows that he's the son of God. So what is he trying to do? Get a break with him. Hey, don't torment me not. I know you didn't come for that, you know, so please don't torment me. And then it says, for he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. So a legion is about 2,000 to 2,500 foot soldiers. This is how many demons this man had inside of him. So you'd be surprised how many demons can house a person or house a soul. So we've got to understand here that, yeah, the other demons were there, but only one spoke up. That's the strong man, okay? That's the one that's trying to keep his palace. Look at verse 10. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter, in, enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. Uh, they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Okay, so even pigs have more wisdom to recognize, man, I don't even want demons living in me. The pigs killed themselves to be delivered of the demons. So who are we to think that we can live in normalcy with demons, okay, and, and not give our lives over to the Lord? Man, this is, this is something. Look at verse 14. And, that they, um, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was done, I mean, what was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, let's understand this. When this guy was breaking stuff and going crazy, nobody was afraid of him. Okay, they tried to bind him. He was set free, and everything was, you know, this was normalcy. And this is what we see today, the gathering demoniac. Tattooed from head to toe, you know, um, yellow and pink mohawks, both sides shaven, had uh, surgical, uh, what do you call it, uh, horns placed in their heads, okay? And, and we're just become manimals today, destroying the body of God, all that we're doing. This has become normal. So as you can see, this was a wicked place. But now that they see this legion, this man, Delivered by Jesus, he's sitting and he's clothed and in his right mind. This is normal. This is Christ. And the people were afraid. It's just like when you're in the world and you're living like the devil, your mom and dad somehow have mercy on you. They make excuses for you. They just want you to get your life together. 
Now, if you get your life together aside from all the wicked things out there and you just, let's just say, go to church, okay, you pay your taxes, you hold down a respectable job, you might even be married and have a family, and they'll look at him and say, what a good boy. But if you find Jesus and you recognize that Jesus, you know, is not just in the church, that I must go where Jesus tells me to and inhabits me, now you become the enemy. I've seen families turn on people like this, okay, because now that they're clothed, now that they're normal, now that they're no longer religious and serving Jesus, when you were a drug addict, they didn't care. But now that you found Christ, the whole world wars with you. Why? Because this is a demon-infested environment. And we better understand that what's becoming normal is demonic. If you want true normalcy, if you want to battle this strong man, find Christ and see what happens. See what war may break out with you when you give it to Jesus. I'm not going to dwell on this too much longer, bro, but let's go to Matthew 17. I just want to make a quick point here. But remember what, um, you know, what Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 says in verse 4 and following, okay? You know, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, that's the mind, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, that's Antichrist, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you see, God's word and the spirit of God, our weapons are not carnal. It is only to break free from these strongholds that we might be obedient to Christ. And verse 6 says, And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When will your obedience be fulfilled? When you bind the strong man. When you let God inhabit your body and have his way with you, your sins will be taken out of your life that you can understand what the perfect will of God is. That's what this is about. So let's look at Matthew 17, and let's look at verse 14. Brother, if you got anything to add, please do. If not, I'm just going to roll on. We're just about done. So this is Matthew 17. Look at verse 14, and it says, And when they were come to the multitude... There came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and off into the water. So this is like a type of epilepsy that this man is going through. When they say lunatic, they're talking about moonstruck. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here or hither to me. So Jesus, you know, this man said, I went to your followers, okay, and I went to bring my son that they might be healed. But something's going on here where they can't heal him. Jesus then turned to the man and said, wait a minute, you accusing my disciples of not, not being in the truth and having me? He didn't do that. He went to the disciples and said to them, oh, faithless, that's one, and perverse, meaning what? 
Perversion is a type of confusion. It's mixing. It's confounding. It's having a double life. It's seeking Christ and seeking the world. It's trying to be religious and spiritual at the same time. Okay? He called them perverse. All right? Meaning confused. All right? Generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? He says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And he came to the and the disciples came to Jesus apart, like a way, and said, "Why could not we cast him out?" And Jesus said to unto them, "Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have the faith as of a grain of mustard seed." Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence, remove to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So, bro, think about what's holding us back. Think about what is keeping us from walking in total power of the Spirit. Yes, the Lord has performed miracles in my life. Yes, I've seen the supernatural done in my life. But has it been consistent? Has it been able to to deal with all diseases? Has it been able to go into places, in all places, where God might be proved? No. You know why? Because in many ways, though I follow the Lord, though I live my life, though I deal with him to the best of my ability, I'm still not giving everything fully over to him. These are things that he's continuing to work out, that Christ may live in us, stay in us, that we can battle any strong man and let this happen. But Jesus is going to point out their other problem, a process that he does and he went through, but they did not. Look at verse 21. How be it? This kind of demon goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Okay? So as we subdue the flesh with fasting and we pray that the spirit may grow stronger on us, then you can contend with that type of level demon. The disciples had reached their limit where, you know, they were walking in the authority of Christ, but they, they reached a different principality or power here that they had no power over. But you see, Jesus went through the process of not only subduing his flesh, but being fully empowered by the Spirit, forsaking the world. And in doing so, Jesus was able to call that demon out, and that demon had to submit because Christ had paid the price. But how many of us are willing to pay the price and contend with the strong man and let our bodies be presented and acceptable to Christ that he could lead us unto every good work? This is all a part of binding the strong man. John 8 and verse 27, and I am done. If you want to add anything, brother, you can. John 8, are you going to say something? No, I was was just going to say no. Oh, okay. All right, so John 8 and 27, and I'm done, guys. We're going to get the last example of a strong man. So it says, they understood not that he spake unto them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, 
I speak these things. So Jesus is saying, when the Son of Man is lifted up, then and only then that we may know that he is who he says he is. What does it mean to lift up Jesus? Give your life over to him. Put nothing before him. Live for him. And then we may know that he is who he says he is. That's important that we get that down. Verse 29. Then it says, and he that sent me is with me. The Father uh, have not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And he spake these words. Many believed on him. And uh, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. So if we continue in the words of Jesus Christ, we will be his disciples. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, uh, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? So you see, here's an example of the strong man. They talk about we've always been of Abraham, so we've never been in bondage to any man. But you see, their freedom is false. Here's a strong man trying to make the argument because you're of Abraham's seed that you've been free. You're only free with Christ. Look at verse 30. Um, look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. So Jesus is making clear, if you're sinning, okay, you're the servant of the thing that you serve. Verse 35, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now look at this. Look at the word indeed. This is G3689, and the word there is ontos, and it means truly, in reality, in point of fact, as op, to what is pretended, fictitious, false conjectural, that which is truly, etc., that which is indeed. So when God set you free, when Jesus Christ has come into your life and set you free, you will be free indeed. A lot of people believe they're free from unclean foods. They're free from, you know, um, the, the nasty life that they live. But you don't understand how you're still bound with demons. The tree of knowledge of good and evil had good and evil on it. So a lot of people, what they think is good is really evil. It's really in rebellion to God. But only through Jesus Christ can we truly be set free, not, in, not fictitiously, not in our manner of understanding, but to be truly set free. Okay? So then he says, I'm about done, but he says, uh, verse 37, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. And why doesn't it? Because of the strong man. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. 
And what was Abraham known as? A friend of God. Abraham was totally faithful to the Lord that would hide nothing from God. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So this is what the strong man will do. The strong man will elevate himself. First they were of Abraham's seed. Now that Jesus is saying, guys, I'm telling you the truth, but you won't believe me. You're serving your father, which is the devil. They go, they elevate from Abraham unto God. So in other words, Jesus can stop. And that's why when you tell people, other Christians about their sin, nobody judges me but God. That's a strong man, okay? Because if God judges you, you know, you don't get a second chance. So this is what we got to understand, that we're growing in grace. Uh, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When, ye spe- when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, and he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinced me of sin? And if ye say the truth, why do ye not believe me? So I want to I talk to evangelists out there. And people that are out there doing the will of the Lord, ministering, those who are putting up videos, those who are going into any part of ministry to tell people the truth. Certainly this sounds familiar. No matter how much truth you bring them, and you think you keep going back and researching because you intend to deliver them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you come to tell these people the truth. And all what was that? Who was that? I don't know. I thought that was you, brother. No, that's that uh, guy from South Texas. He's he's trying to ruin her show. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) Because that only means that the Spirit of God is here. I pray for your sister. So this is beautiful. This is beautiful. It's a a demonic spirit that's attacking him and and, 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 uh, flowing through him, so. That's right, and I want you people to see this and hear this. This is exactly what Jesus was talking about. This is exactly it, guys. This is the spirit of Antichrist, and this is Satan. Of all the people this individual could be bothering, we're going to pray for him. I got no answer, only Hong Kong. How you doing, sister? We're going to pray for this individual, folks. But I want you all to have an understanding of what kind of demonic powers we are going against. And guys, Amen. if I were not telling the truth, this individual wouldn't be on here. Okay, so thank you, Satan, get, get for confirming the word of God. Mine, mine. Satan, you're not going to interrupt mine. anything. But thank Everything you, Jesus. Mine. Thank you, Jesus. So, you know, the bottom line is. We've got to learn and we've got to understand 
that when you come with the truth, the strong man is going to fight and going to rebel against you. And I hold just thank God hold for Jesus. Hold on, okay. hold on a second. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, yes, Lord. I call upon you. I call upon you in the blood. God, I call upon you to rebuke this person, the demons in this person. Yes, Lord. I call you to find the demons in this person. I call upon you to show this is a blessing to you, dear Lord. Show the power that you have. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the blood of Jesus Christ, we rebuke this demon. Find this demon, dear Lord. Yes, Lord. We take authority over you this very moment, Electrical, his ability to interrupt. I, I call upon you, God, to destroy his computer. Destroy yes, Jesus. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters. This session will continue next week. Take care. In the name of Thank Jesus you, Christ, Jesus. you do. I love you, Jesus people. Christ. You are you in the power and the blood now of Jesus Christ. Now you know that we're taking you good in the mouth. You coward. You, Jesus. you fearful coward, you. Yes, it doesn't Lord. take a man to do what you do. Only a yes, loser Lord. and a man who's demon-possessed would do what you do because you're a loser. Because you're Thank just you, demon-possessed. Because you don't That's have right. a life. Because the devils have destroyed you and caused you to do nothing but cause harm and pain for other people. Why can't you niggas help me? I love you, but you niggas are killing me. They're killing my soul, damn it. I Thank you, Lord Jesus, for showing us what the enemy has done. And I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we may bind the devil. Thank you, Jesus. So, you are Lord, I pass one to you. He thinks he's so clever because he's attacking people, but he knows nothing. He's a coward. Find this demon, God. I'll pray for you, sir. I pray that you get saved. Oh, thank you, my I pray brother. that the Lord has mercy on your life. I pray that the Lord saves brother. your I'm life. Gonna, I'm going to kill you. No, no, I don't want that. No. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, what's your name, demon? What's your name, demon? What's your name, you coward? Oh, it's real tough to, to jump on here and attack this show. Oh, you're really special, aren't you? What's your name, demon? What is your name, you foul, nasty spirit? What is your name? Come on, coward. Come on, you evil, no-good-for-nothing demon. Tell us your name. Amen. Coward. Amen. You destroying that person's life, using them as a vessel. You demons, you're a bunch of cowards. It takes real courage to do what you just did. You know what? You foul, no good for nothing, nasty, evil spirits that are possessing this guy, ruining his life. He's lost soul. 
You don't care about them. You're just using them. That's right. Amen. You don't care about that guy. Amen. But I ask you to free that person from the demons inside him. Thank you. Free him. Let him know your power, God, your truth. Yes, Lord. Let him feel that he's fighting against the, the one and true the living God that created him. That's right. The demons have totally possessed that person. That's it's tragedy. Right. And the Lord will set him free if he be willing. Lord, Let's pray. forgive him. Lay this sin not to his charge. I pray, Lord, that you deliver him and take authority over every demonic spirit, every foul spirit, Lord. They may attempt to do the same thing. Give this man a chance at life because right now the enemy is pushing him towards death, eternal death. And I pray in Jesus' name, let your love be upon him, Lord. And you know what you just did, demon? We don't like you, but we love him. And we pray that you set him free. But I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that demons may manifest, that people may see that we're telling the truth. I thank you, and I love you, Lord, for all that you do, that this strong man has a serious power against the people of God. And I thank you, Lord, that he was able to manifest, that we may see that this is a true war in the spirit. So, folks, Give your lives to Jesus. Don't let the strong man run your life. Okay, the end of this story goes, read it in your spare time, how no matter what Jesus told them, they refused to receive the truth because they let a strong man bind their hearts and their minds and their will to keep them from serving the Lord. Jesus, all he offered was love. All he offered was a chance at eternal life. And they spat on it. And I pray for that, Lord, you forgive them, that souls may be saved, that they may come in. And that's all I've got to say tonight, you know. I love you all, you know. Hopefully you got something from it. I pray that this word was received. I'm thankful for my brother, Michael Adams. And I want to tell people, too, the devil didn't stop this show. But this is what the Lord wanted to show you all. Just so if you think we're sitting here telling you tall tales out of school, you better recognize that the devil is tuning in. The devil will only fight. What did Jesus say, folks? Satan can't cast out Satan. What did he say? The devil doesn't divide his kingdom. He's only going to fight that which is not like him. Pay attention. You know, receive the truth in Christ. Because he loves us, and all he wants is souls saved. All he wants is to be delivered from where we are, this prison plane or wherever we're living, and to serve him who can give us everything that we've ever needed. More importantly, your dignity given back to you, not being used as the enemy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for my brother Michael Adams. Thank you for the ministry that you have given us that we may glorify you. 
because you truly are who you say you are, King of kings and Lord of lords. Brother, I'm done. If you got anything to add, please do. Amen, brother. And, and dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to say thank you. You did give us a spirit-filled message and uh, quite an ending, I would say, Lord. Um, <laughs> and I, I pray I pray for that, that gentleman uh, that he, he will be saved, Lord. We are, we are not at war with the, the man, but the demons inside him that possess him that cause him to do such a thing. So, God... Save them and save save him and save all others who are in such a position. To realize that the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Help them to know the truth of you, Jesus. That you will set them free. Almighty oh, God, what a great God you are. Thank you, God. And I want us to say thank you, brother. Um, Derek Hallett once again, and you can find him on the. Sound the Trumpet Ministries on YouTube and also with the website. So with that, well, that's the heck of an ending. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me see if I can uh, close it. <clears throat> he left anyways after we started praying. Mm-hmm. Started rebuking it. The, the demons. You know, and it's funny how that, that's how they work. Isn't mm-hmm. that you know they can't mm-hmm. they can't stand the name of Jesus and when you challenge them they're like the first ones to run mm-hmm. and they take their they take their victims which they're, they these these human bodies these people possessed by these things with them you know and then they, you, yeah. you have to come to this realization that you're not at war with these people but the things inside them and they're also things that are at war with you so it's a tragic right. truth. You know, I've seen it over and over again now. I'll praise to What's amazing I'll praise is, to you, as God. soon as we went, I'm sorry, brother, as soon as we went to John 8 and 44, that's when that demon manifested. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> praise the All Lord. All right. Once again, uh, Derek Hallett and uh, Sound the Trumpet Ministries. So see if we can end it. Thank you, Lord. Might be one of those shows. He's like, "Wait, oh, you can't end it." No, no. It's a good thing I, uh, with uh, <clears throat> the software I have, I can edit things out. I'm not going to edit out, edit out the the demon, but no, yeah, leave that. <laughs> well, come on, now it's locked in. Okay, let's see. Can I terminate? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.